Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey there, and welcome to the Road World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. Last week, we started our team check-in series, um, and we started at the very bottom of the standings uh, with the Twins. Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press was nice enough to join me. If you discovered the show for the first time last week, awesome. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for checking out the show. Hope you keep coming back for more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, really nice to have you, so thanks. Uh, we're going to continue that series today, and we're going to talk some Red Sox. They've had an interesting offseason, so we're going to dig into it with Evan Drellick of the Boston Herald. So let's do this. Evan, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, DJ. Long time uh, uh, no talk. Yeah, this is a blast from the past. <laughs> we go uh, a ways back, uh, starting our baseball writing careers, I guess you could say. Like, Going back a decade, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I think it means we're getting old. It uh, absolutely means we're getting we, old. We can, we can ignore that for now. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's ignore it and let's talk some Red Sox. Um, okay, so Red Sox were swept by the Indians and Terry Francona in the ALDS, uh, but they made pretty much the biggest move of the winter, uh, acquiring Chris Sale from the White Sox. Yuan Moncada, Michael Kopech among the pieces going the other way. We know Sale makes the rotation better no matter what. Uh, but this also felt like a move from a team who, who knows they're going to miss David Ortiz's production. How could you not? One of the best hitters in baseball in 2016. Do you think that weighed into Dave Dabrowski's aggressiveness with this move, kind of uh, trying to figure out how to replace that production? Yeah, I, I think that's been a common uh, argument this winter is that you can't really replace it on the offensive side because of their luxury tax concerns. They want to get under the threshold, kind of reset the clock, so to speak. So how do you add that production or at least get something close to it and you do it on the pitching side? And I think it's an accurate way to look at it, that that's what they did do. You didn't replace Ortiz directly or really in any way offensively uh, without any knock on Mitch Moreland, who's probably a quality baseball player, but uh, is certainly not David Ortiz. You do then strengthen yourself on the pitching side. And the other thing that kind of mitigates the, the, the blow of Ortiz is that the rest of the offense was so good last year. The problem I see there is that occasionally uh, you can lull yourself into a sense of security if, if you're the Red Sox for an offense saying, well, our offense is so good, we're losing Ortiz. 
we're trusting Pablo Sandoval at third base. It, you know, it, it can go very quickly to a point where you have questions about the offense, but I, still they're in very good shape. And now they're certainly in better shape on the pitching side. And you mentioned Mitch Moreland. Uh, he's going to, I assume, get the majority of the time at first base and Hanley Ramirez will slide into the DH spot. So in a way you could say that plays into the run prevention angle as well. Moreland being a superior defender. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know we'll see kind of how they end up platooning things. Uh, if if Moreland plays every day, I kind of would doubt it. I think we're going to see more of Hanley at DH. Uh, and you know, it's, well, what do you do at third base? If does Sandoval handle the load fully? Does he handle the load just against right-handed pitching? Uh, it, it, there's still a decent amount up in the air when it comes to how those corner infield spots will shake out but yes the the improved defense is something uh notable but Hanley didn't do a bad job I think at times he was a little overrated in the job he did at first base because of how it compared to how badly he did in the outfield the year before but he was he wasn't bad uh, as as a first baseman in kind of a uh if you want to call it a breakout year for him in Boston certainly not in his career but in Boston and you mentioned Pablo Sandoval um the Red Sox gave up Travis Shaw in the Tyler Thornburg deal, who's kind of the insurance policy for third base. So there's not much of a safety net here now. I guess you could say Brock Holt is that guy, but he's kind of the utility guy everywhere, insurance policy everywhere. So it looks like Sandoval is going to get a chance to reclaim his his old job, coming off a really serious shoulder surgery, of course. And it looks like it looks like he's in good shape. We'll see. Um, but let's be realistic. What is your level of optimism? Are there any expectations at all? You you have to see what you have in him because of how much money you've sunk into, right? Yep. And he does indeed appear to be slimmed down. The shoulder surgery is something I wonder about. You, you know, when he went for it, there was all the skepticism about, is this kind of uh, a distraction from the real issue? You know, was it just a cleanup of something that any ball player could do? Uh, and, and this is this is purely just my speculation here. I, I, you know, to, to minimize what he went through it w- would be a mistake. But it's kind of I, I think if something as spring training goes on, we'll have a better understanding of how that shoulder affects him because it can affect hitters. We've seen it before. It's not just pitchers. And I think if I think the middle ground expectation for Sandoval would be he comes in, he probably doesn't hit lefties well because we started to see him dip uh, really far down in his performance against lefties. Becomes a, a decent platoon option if he stays in shape, and it looks like he is in shape. And then it's, well, okay, what do you do? you got Josh Rutledge and uh, Brock Holt, and you mentioned Holt, and he is the guy that is ideally a utility guy. That's somebody that, that can move around. You don't want him to have to be your everyday third base guy if Sandoval fails. That's where they would go now. What I think will happen is you'll see a non-roster invitee. You'll see some veteran at some point here brought in who might be able to push Sandoval, who might be just a fallback plan. And ideally, somebody who could be a platoon option, right? Trevor Plouffe was a good fit. He found a full-time job at the A's, but there's room for the Red Sox to add somebody like that as a safety net and or platoon option with Sandoval. Yeah, it definitely looks like depth could be an issue for this roster. But as you said, probably they're going to make an addition before spring training. I have to ask you about Mookie Betts. Uh, really, really strong first full season in the majors in 2015, but took it to another level last year. Obviously, finished second for the AL MVP award behind Mike Trout. 31 homers after hitting 23 over his previous 197 games in the majors. What changed with him last year? What did you observe? 
And do you think he can maintain this level of power going forward? I mean, he's going to be counted now as a, counted on now as a run producer in the middle of that lineup. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I think about this in the context of Rick Porcello too. When these guys have these years that, for the first time, um, put them at the very top of the league in their respective categories, offensively or, or pitching wise, what do you expect going forward? I think with Mookie, it, it's much more reasonable than with Rick to expect very high level production. I, I think he's so young and so talented that you could easily see him going one, two, three, whoever the third might be with trout and the MVP discussions for years to come. Sure. Um, what, what I think is difficult though, is that we don't, we, there is that element of track record, right? We don't have it beyond this year. And you can say, well, as a young guy, how could he have it? And that's a fair argument, but that extends to, Jackie Bradley Jr., who had a great year. Sure. Uh, Porcello, who has a who has a very different track record, right? And and, and I think that's it's, it's ultimately a different case. Uh, you know, with Betts, I'm trying to think back now. I, I I don't recall anything drastically changing. The thing we always talk about with him is uh, the lightning quick hands. Uh, he's got a very strong core. And there is kind of a marvel around him in the same way that at one time there was a marvel around. Pedroia, maybe not to the same extreme, but he's a, he's a little guy. He's not somebody you're around and you say, uh, you know, he doesn't have the football player neck of Mike Trout. Uh, he's just, he's, he's incredibly athletic. He was on the infield at one point. He played some great defense too. Um, it, it, I, I think it's safe to expect him to have a very good year going forward. Talent-wise, he, he's the best the Red Sox have. Right? And I think he's in a different category uh, than maybe anybody else on the team outside of Xander Bogarts, who has his own question marks. Yeah, Bogarts, the, the great first half, slowed down in the second half last year. So a bit of a question there, and, and maybe where he's going to hit in the lineup this season. Yeah, the lineup, you're going to see them try to break up the, the core righties, right? So Pedroia, uh, Betts, Bogarts, you're not going to probably see them batting consecutively one, two, three at the top of the order. Uh, ben Intendi, who kind of was a late comer to the team, but is now going to be probably rightly included in that group of the new killer bees, which Astros fans will hate hearing, <laughs> but that's just what we'll continue to hear. Uh, you know, Ben Attendee could slot into the two hole. I, I think Bogarts probably does fit down, uh, you know, somewhere mid late in the lineup a little bit better, at least until he uh, gets hot again. Right. And then, you know, you can do what you want. And, and we kind of know that line of construction could be a little bit of a, a an, an overhyped subject to begin with, but um, I, I would expect after the second half he had that you wouldn't see him, say, in the three-hole right away. Right. So Ben Intendi uh, definitely held his own as a rookie last year, just basically a little over a year removed from being drafted. We would have seen more from him, but he did have that scare with his knee. Um, still just 22 years old, though, so a lot of pressure on him to succeed right away. We're assuming he's going to be the everyday left fielder. What are your first impressions of him, and what do you think we can expect in 2017 and beyond? I saw he did put on some weight this winter, trying to add some mass, so that's sort of an interesting thing to follow. Yeah, yeah, and you always kind of, when that happens, you wonder, okay, how does this affect uh, agility and, and all the other things that can come with adding weight? And he said it wasn't particularly easy for him to add weight. He added about 20 pounds or 15 He's another little he guy. To... Yes, he, he's in that group. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very natural hitter. He's a very polished hitter. 
to say he's going to be the everyday left fielder might be a little bit of a stretch because they do have Chris Young, who uh, against left-handed pitching, John Farrell has said is going to play. Now, whether that's at DH, who knows, right? That, that can kind of come in different ways. I think we'll see a lot of Benintendi. Uh, I don't know if it'll be 150 games. With time, you know, Chris Young is a free agent after this year. I, I think we will see him as the everyday left fielder, but um, that might not be the case right away. And of course, injuries can change that anyway. But, you know, compared to Yohan Moncada, who's obviously now gone, uh, what we saw from Benintendi was so vastly different, and, and, and he, was, he was so ready to jump in. And you saw opposing pitchers start to make adjustments, even within last season, and he was able to handle it. It's not that a full book is out on him at this point, but what, coming out of Arkansas, he was clearly already at a very high level. And I, I think that there, there's a lot of confidence within the Red Sox that there won't be a sophomore slump or too great of a sophomore slump. Okay, so back to the rotation. Uh, we know we know Sale, Price, and Porcello locked into the first three spots in the rotation, but even after trading Clay Buckholz, they have more pitchers than rotation spots, and that's a nice problem to have throughout the year, but uh, who do you think has the advantage among these guys, Pomeranz, Wright, and Eduardo Rodriguez? So they've all three got health concerns, and that could pretty quickly end the debate anyway, right? You know, Stephen Wright had the shoulder injury diving back into second base as a pinch runner in, <laughs> yeah. in what was uh, quite the circus decision yeah. and, and uh, follow-up there. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had a right knee problem last year. He tweaked that knee in winter ball this year. It th- doesn't seem to be serious. Um, it, it, it looks like he'll be ready for spring training. There was a hope at one point uh, that, that he would be at the WBC, but that doesn't uh, look likely at this point. You know, I, I, I think what, what could end up, you know, Pomerantz, the other one, had elbow issues and went for a stem, shell, stem cell shot after the season, which is kind of a, it's kind of like PRP, but it's a little bit more experimental and supposed to promote recovery. You know, Pomerantz and Wright were all-stars, and it, it's hard to ignore that. It, yeah, it's just a designation, but clearly they, they pitched at a very high level. Um, and I, I, I got to believe that they have a little bit of a leg up when you add in the factor that Rodriguez still has options. So if you're at the end of spring training, the, the, the counterpoint there to me would be, well, Pomerantz showed last year, he can pitch out of the bullpen. He's done it in the past. You might be comfortable using him there. You're also paying him $4.45 million to do that. Uh, I, I do think whatever you do, whoever ends up being the odd man out, it will be temporary because how quickly into the year will we need a six starting pitcher? Usually it's very quick, but the way I look at it is probably Erod Eduardo Rodriguez is at a little bit of a disadvantage just because of the experience factor and the fact you can send them to AAA Pitocchio. Yeah, options often the determining factor there. So just to wrap things up here, let the people know uh, where they can find you on social media, Twitter, etc. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Twitter, it's uh, just my name, Evan Drellick. It's D as in David, R-E-L-L-I. CH and on Facebook at facebook.com uh, slash Drellick, just my last name. Thanks a lot, Evan. Hey, thanks, DJ. My thanks again to Evan for joining me today. Uh, we're going to cover all 30 teams uh, between now and opening day, so stay tuned for that. We're also going to have some more fantasy-centric episodes as we get to March, so we'll get you ready for your fantasy draft. We'll get you ready for the start of the regular season, so stay tuned. Subscribe if you haven't already. 
and I'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.